Welcome to Billionaire Healthcare, bringing the health secrets of the rich and famous to you. Your host is Ashley Black. We'll talk about what's really going on inside your body and what you can do to take control of your health and wellness. Now, here is your host, Ashley Black. Good Wednesday afternoon, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Billionaire Healthcare. Um, so glad to have you with us today on the live feed as well as the radio. Um, this is a very special show for me, and it hits so close to home that I, for the first time, in having a family member on the show, and it is my mother who's calling in from Alabama, and her name is Barbara. Mom, can you just say hello to all your adoring fans? Hello. <laughs> so this show today is going to be all about Parkinson's, um, but we are also just going to be touching on everything that relates to the nervous system and all neurological disorders, just with a little slant for Parkinson's. Um, I also have on the line, I she dropped off and may have come back, but we have my resident neuroscientist, Miss Kathleen. Are you there? I am. Hello. Okay. Good afternoon. Hey, girl. Awesome. Thank you so much. Welcome back. Everybody on our page loves to hear from you, so you may just have to be a regular. And then, of course, we've got Bart here by my side, who we have been in the research geeking out um, all morning. It's been very, very fun. Um, But I just wanted to, I want to start with my mother, because... Um, our family is not new to having to sort of overcome major illnesses. And I thought that everybody would find it interesting to hear from my mother. They hear it from me. But what it was like to actually be a part of a family where you get these lifelong, scary-type diagnosis. And my mother experienced it. How old was I, Mom, when I had the first symptom? About four Okay, can you just describe that event and what that was like as a parent? Yes, you woke us up in the middle of the night crying. You were crawling down the hall because your body hurt so bad you could not walk. Yeah, and then so I ended up getting diagnosed with juvenile rheumatoid arthritis, but I kind of tell the story like, oh, I had this happen and then this happened, but it was uh, like a what about a four to six year idea uh you know episode before anyone even knew what was wrong with me right you were so diagnosed just, with juvenile arthritis about age eight or nine and what happened in that interim i don't even remember so this will be a new story for me as well <laughs> well you were doing gymnastics and then all of a sudden you were just hurt uh, we even tried putting you in a whirlpool at AUM before a meet. Um, it was just constant pain that we we could not figure out the source of. Well, and it would come in cycles too, Mom. Don't you remember how I would be on crutches one day and then, you know, competing in a gymnastics meet the next? Yes. Well, that was challenging. So, and as a mother, how scary is that to, I mean, you know, I have my own children now and luckily I've only had some allergic reactions to penicillin. (laughs) I've never had that happen. I mean, how scary was it just at an emotional level to just have no clue what's going on with your child? It's very scary because your children are the most important thing in your lives and you want what's best for them. 
Well, and let's talk about that because one of the things that I want to just point out that's a passion of mine is how the tone of society is beginning to change. Kathleen and I talked about it with Bart on a live feed, sports medicine starting to um, change. But mom, you really come from the generation of my doctor said it, I do it, I don't question it. Um, Can you just characterize kind of... we didn't know any of this stuff. So talk about what your whole belief system was about traditional medicine, kind of from your childhood all the way up until the point where I said, hey, Bob's going to die, which we'll talk about in a minute. Uh, We were taught that doctors knew everything, and we trusted them, and we did what they said, and we took what pills they told us to take. And, okay, that's... (laughs) That's exactly what happened. And, I mean, my mom dragged me to all kinds of doctors. Mom, tell them what I used to do to try to avoid getting my blood drawn. <laughs> you would cry and scream and yell. Well, that and wasn't the story I wanted. You did backflips down the hall to tell the doctor you didn't need to have your blood drawn again. Yeah, if you guys didn't catch that, I used to do back handsprings and splits and be like, hey, I don't need my blood drawn. So I know there's other mothers out there that can, uh, you know, relate to that. Having your blood drawn as a child is a super duper scary thing. Um, And then I just want to, the reason we're having this show, you guys, is I was talking to my mother earlier this week and she said to me that my stepdad, whose name is Bob, who may also be referred to on the show as Pop, because that's what everybody calls him, um, that she had visited her Parkinson's doctor. And mom, tell them what they said as far as like his progress compared to everyone else that they treat. And by the way, this is a very legit medical institution. And mom, go ahead and take this opportunity to plug your doctor. And I also want to, I want you just to flash forward through what we're going to talk about and, and kind of give us the punchline, which is what your doctor told you, you know, a week or two ago when you went. Okay, at UAB in Birmingham, we see Dr. Victor Sun, who is a specialist in movement disorders. When he saw Bob last month, he said, of all the patients I treat that have had this disease as long as you, which is 15 years, you look the best. And... He kind of feels the best, probably. You know, I've I've been in and out of this, and I know for a long time he couldn't travel. Um, there was just you know so many things that were inhibited. So let's let's go back, and um, I want Bart to jump in here because I want to go back to the traditional medical system. And where did you get this definition of Parkinson's? Uh, this is from the Mayo Clinic. It's I mean it's just online. You can I mean search Parkinson's and. And we're going to be posting the links throughout. So if you're on the live feed, we're on the Fascia Blasters private group. um, So you can always go check that out. So for all of you who don't know what Parkinson's is, it's a progressive disorder of the nervous system that affects movement. It develops gradually over time, um, but usually start noticing it with a noticeable tremor in the hand um, and yeah. He's uh, reading. <laughs> while, uh, in the early stages of Parkinson's, you're, it show, it's like shows in your face. You maybe like start showing um, tremors in your hands, um, increased pain, uh, swaying when you walk, p- postural changes. 
Yep. Yeah. And you know what, Mom, characterize for everyone what you went through pre-Parkinson's diagnosis with Bob. Because at the time, I had a sports medicine clinic in Atlanta, and Bob ended up going to see it. But go back. I, just give me his whole medical history because he really does have quite the medical history. And then up into the point of the tremors and things where he had the carpal tunnel in the shoulder and all that. He's had uh, diabetes for about 30 years. Uh, we started seeing some symptoms that we did not know what they were about 15 years ago, tremors in the hands, soreness and drooping in the shoulder. Uh, went to the orthopedist. They said, small rotator cuff, let's do surgery on that tear. And while we're in there, let's do carpal tunnel. So we had two surgeries that were totally unnecessary. Uh, finally got it diagnosed as Parkinson's disease and started getting help for that immediately, including your uh, clinic in Houston, I mean in Atlanta. Okay, so he started off with the tremors in the hand and the shoulder pain. So all of you who have that, you know, you got to be careful. Would you, Mom, what would your word of warning be? Because, you know, you did what you knew in the moment, which was to go to an orthopedic. It was orthopedic pain, and you went. And they actually did find a rotator cuff tear, and they did do the carpal tunnel, which, by the way, go ahead and post the link. We can help with that. Um, but what were you guys thinking during that time, you know, with going to see the orthopedist and, and doing the surgery? That I remember it just felt normal. Well, an orthopedist is trained to deal with orthopedic problems. He did not see the big picture. Uh, it took the trembling and the shuffling and dragging of the foot and the bent-over posture before we realized we needed to see a neurologist. Right. And then I remember Stacy just mentioned, hey, you know, these are similar to Parkinson's. And then... What happened after that? Because just before the show, you said, you know, one of the things my mom wanted to talk about is the importance of having an educated doctor, which we'll address later. But what happened before that? Well, we went to a local neurologist who put us on what he thought was the best medicine, and it turned out to be twice as much of one thing and not enough of another when we finally got to the right doctor. Okay, and so I think this is the point where I entered the picture. And, you know, at this time, this was, what, about 10 years ago? Yes. Okay, so around 10 years ago, this is where I was just kind of moving. I went from being like a movement therapist mm -hmm. into the actual fascia world, and I was starting to get exposed to people who were doing what now, I guess, is considered alternative. I think it's genius. Um, some stuff that Kathleen's going to talk about. Kathleen, this is actually when you entered the picture of kind of like my life and this movement. Um, and I looked at my mother and I said, he is going to die. I mean, it, he was on so many medicines that he plowed his car into the back of a semi-trailer. Right, Mom? Yes, that was when we were taking too much of one and not enough of another. Well, and my mom was doing what she knew, which was to try to get the medicines right. And I, I totally mm -hmm. get that, and I want to give a lot of respect to that. But, Mom, can you just, we have about one minute before the break. Can you tell them what had to really change in your brain once I told you, look, he's going to die, and you started dabbling for the first time in things outside of the traditional medical um, institution? What 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 clicked for you that made you you know, kind of come out of that box? 
you made me realize that doctors don't know everything and that there are other things we could be implementing that might be to his benefit. Okay, and then was that a hard change for you? Yes. (laughs) My mom's like, (laughs) my mom is 70 and Bob is what, mom? 70. Yeah. And that was a hard change for both of them. In fact, like even my own parents, just so you know, including my mom, you guys thought I was a little crazy, right? You're you're just like, oh, she's eccentric. She's doing these weird things, right? That was your belief prior to actually me stepping in and helping Bob. Absolutely. (laughs) Okay. So (laughs) my mom is validating that she thinks I'm crazy, (laughs) which may be true. Okay. So we are going to move into the first commercial break. Thank you, mom, for that great background of the story. So section two of our show, I am going to be talking with my neuroscientist friend, Kathleen, and also Bart, because I'm going to take a bunch of research that is kind of unrelated and throw it all together and connect the dots as far as Parkinson's. And my mom and my stepdad are going to be chiming in because they've been living it. We can all talk about it from the scientific side, but they're the ones that are in the trenches living it. So you guys don't go anywhere. Make sure you're sharing this show. Um, This is a really important uh, educational show today. So stay with us and we'll be right back after this break. life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Billionaire Healthcare, brought to you by the amazing Fascia Blaster. We believe the body was designed to heal itself. Families were meant to care for one another and that the connective tissue fascia is vital to human health. We believe that society derailed and abandoned the natural trajectory and that itises, syndromes, cellulite, and other issues are preventable. There's just a better way. The inception of that better way starts with the fascia, and the first step is the fascia blaster. The fascia blaster restores the fascia by separating the adhesions at the surface that distort the skin and penetrating those layers that contort and misalign the body. Not to mention it ends cellulite because it simply doesn't exist. The fascia blaster turns back the hands of time and revitalizes you. Young or aging, athletic or sedentary, men and women, the fascia blaster is for you. Treat yourself like a billionaire. Become a blaster today. Visit fasciablaster.com. That's F-A-S-C-I-A blaster.com. We are bombarded daily with information about beauty products and anti-aging treatments. Do you know how they have been tested? Are they truly going to make a change or just take the change out of your pocket? Tune in to Shelly's Show and Tell with host Shelly Hancock. We'll bring you the top-rated skincare products and treatments tested by Real Transformation Skincare Centers. We'll motivate you to make the best changes. Listen Mondays at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Health and Wellness. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Billionaire Healthcare. To connect with our show today, please call 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. 
You may also send an email to bh at ashleyblackguru.com. Now, back to Billionaire Healthcare. Welcome back, everybody. I have uh, neuroscientist Kathleen Strauss on the line. I've got Bart, our resident rehab expert. And today we have very, very special guest. You can't get more special than my mom and my stepdad who are on the line. And we're talking about Parkinson's. So I want to jump straight in. I'm actually going to let Kathleen lead this section. Um, she has worked extensively with Parkinson's. And a lot of you are familiar with Kathleen. She's done the live feed. She's somebody that's like been a go-to person for me over the years. But Kathleen, give them real quick a little bit of your your background and then we'll move into uh, other things relative to Parkinson's with you. Sure. Briefly, um, my background is neurological physical therapy and uh, originally with working with traumatic brain injury patients and then uh, which included research in abnormal muscle tone uh, caused by traumatic brain injury, acquired brain injury. So this would be adults or teens that receive a brain injury from trauma, from stroke, bleed, Parkinson's, brain tumor, any sort of neurological impairment that affects the, the nervous system and affects muscle tone, um, which is interesting because Parkinson's fits right in there with, with an abnormal muscle tone type of disease that is a challenge for physical therapists all over the world. Um, I'm then uh, after working with brain injury patients, I began to study vertigo and vestibular dysfunction, which I'm probably most known for my work as one of the pioneers in working with benign positional vertigo and being a regional expert in that area. Um, Girl, stop I, it. You are a world expert. I'm going to cut you okay. off right now because you are the foremost world expert. She's selling herself short. She's incredible. Anybody that has vertigo, Kathleen, I'll make sure all your links go up. But um, I just want to make sure, like, I am not a Parkinson's expert. Actually, my mom is probably more of an expert than me. Um, but when you, so as you kind of move through all these different yes. neurological things, and also you and I worked together in fascia years ago when I first yes. kind of got excited about it, but give us your kind of from the neurological side, what, what, what do people think? And when I say that, I mean, what is the institution thinking about what causes Parkinson's? Because when I went on AMA, it straight up said the cause is unknown. And then they gave some factors. So I want, and I don't know this information, so I'm actually asking for myself as well. What is the institution believing these days? And where is the research leading at this current juncture? Well, yesterday I did spend some time looking at some of the latest research. I can't say I was exhaustive and that I'm the most up-to-date because it is not the majority of my clients. But let me just say that I would uh, recommend and everybody go online and do their own research, and we'll present some here. But certainly um, Parkinson's disease is is a chemical issue. So we have such a delicate chemistry in the brain um, controlled by all sorts of chemicals called neurotransmitters. We know what adrenaline is and what's also called epinephrine and norepinephrine or noradrenaline. Those are the same thing. We talk about being fight or flight or being relaxed. Then we have serotonin, dopamine, GABA, all the stuff that we talked about on last week's show. So I definitely go ahead and post that. Yeah, incredible. So we talk, so epinephrine has to do with excitability. Serotonin has to do with mood because we treat mood disorders with serotonin reuptake inhibitors. That's your depression kind of chemical. Um, Epinephrine's your excitability sort of chemical in there. And then dopamine is your muscle control sort of chemical having to do with muscle tone and the ability for muscles not only to contract when they're supposed to, to turn on when they're supposed to, to turn off when they're supposed to, but to control 
agonist-antagonist coordination. And by that, I mean, like, if you contract your biceps, you better need your triceps to relax. If your triceps need to go, your biceps need to allow them to extend the arm. So muscle coordination is such an incredible symphony of magic, I think. You know, and I know you think it's magic, too. And um, so the chemicals that are involved in making all that happen um, are paramount here. So the lack of so dopamine, hold on one second. Uh, this is so when somebody says Parkinson's to me, I think it's kind of general knowledge that it's a lack of dopamine. Mom, when you first started hearing about this, did you was that kind of what you globbed onto? Was it's a dopamine problem? Yes, and we were told by the time you were finally diagnosed, you have lost sixty percent of your dopamine. Wow! And what did they tell you that they could do about it? We take some artificial dopamine. Which, by the way, I'm about to jump all over, so I don't want to interrupt your flow of thought, Kathleen, but I want you to kind of run down this trail with us. We're piggybacking everything you said because this is what Bart and I found, and I'm going to give you the direct route, okay? But I can tell you this. If you type in to Google Parkinson's and fascia, there is nothing. There's not a lot of articles. I know it. There's nothing that. that ties those together, but let me connect the dots because I feel like it's my place in the universe to be like the mouthpiece for the hopeless. That is who I am. And what I found was a direct link between dopamine and the neurotransmitters. We found studies that had that. I'm sure you could pull them up in your, in five seconds, Kathleen. And then the neurotransmitters, regulate the autotomic nervous system and that is regulated by the muscle which is completely penetrated by the fascia and then Kathleen just before the show you talked about how you can't even talk about the muscle without addressing the fascia first so what I'm saying is if dopamine is the problem and we're supplementing it with drugs and we're not chasing it all the way back to the fascia and then from the fascia back to the brain then we're we're not allowing the body to do what it can do. And my and I'm telling you, I've had ten years with my stepdad to have him be the big human petri dish for this. And it's been amazing. And I you know, I just don't have a way right at this second to prove it. But I want to talk about that theory from dopamine to neurotransmitter to the ANS to the muscle to the fascia and and back to that brain. I know Bart and me- Kathleen are ready to jump all over that. Yeah, let me just say that let's take um, two different, let's take five different people who have five different body types and you would say fascia types. You know how people like to on the website grade what kind of fascia they have, how mm-hmm. bound they are and how their fascia and muscular system are working. Let's take And by five the way, different- we're posting that right now, Kathleen. That is the... Uh- phases of fascia freakout link. And so there's seven phases that we've identified. These aren't the types of cellulite. This is the where you are in your fascial health. Um, So it's not about cellulite. It's about fascia. So that's right. So let's take seven people now. Let's give each one of them a new diagnosis of Parkinson's disease. Guess what? They might have the same thing going on in their brain, but they have a different thing going on in their body. This is why Parkinson's disease looks so different in so many people, as does multiple sclerosis and other things. But particularly... Parkinson's because it's so related to muscle contraction, relaxation, and then that uh, abnormality and contraction and relaxation of muscles directly allows those adhesions and that messy skeletal connections, but uh, I mean the skeleton of fascia is what I mean, not the bone skeleton, the network of fascia to be jacked up pretty quickly in this this neurological condition. So seven different people with seven different kinds of fascia and connective tissue systems 
all give them Parkinson's disease, the same levels of dopamine, and you're going to see seven different people. Well, and um, that, to me, that like punctures a hole in the whole theory, which is what I wanted Bart to let him tell you, my mom, and everyone else out there what we have found in terms of legit research that ties all of this together. Because the research, by the way, Kathleen, supports exactly what you just said. Well, so, I'd like to hear that. <laughs> so, Kathleen, I've, I've been combing the research thoroughly this week and I found a study done published in 2002 by Robert Schlepp. He's kind of like a, he's a fascia. I don't want to say person. <laughs> he, 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 he's done some early research on fascia, kind of what kind of the science behind our fascia blaster and stuff. Some of it originates from him. So I'm just going to give you guys a little background. Um, we used to think that the skin was the most sensory organ in the body, but we have proven that it's actually the muscular system um, the central nervous system receives the greatest amount of sensory information we figured out from fascial tissue. Now, okay, hold on. So to translate that to the normal person, that means in terms of the, the, the message goes back to the brain, which is what in part regulates the chemicals, okay? So what we're saying is that if it's done by a sensory organ, the most important thing is the muscles, but I would argue that the most important thing is the fascia and then the muscles and how they communicate and how that goes back to the brain. But these studies are absolutely proving it. So talk about the, the amount of sensory in a muscle. So um, they found that in a typical muscle nerve, so these, are, these were usually considered just to move the muscle. We didn't even know they had sensory um, fibers. They found that there's actually three times more sensory motor fibers in a in a muscle nerve than thought of than um than motor so there um only 20 percent of those fibers are considered our normal type one two fibers that i know all the science out people out there know those are the, the muscle fibers well the sensory fibers are actually they found them and they're um the other 80 percent of the muscle fibers are considered interstitial fascia fibers they've just found them they used to think that they're pain fibers in muscles so they found out that these previously thoughtful thought as pain fibers are actually connected to the fascia, which have been proven to ha to actually have autonomic functions, st stimulating of those uh, fibers via the fascia blaster. That that's just an example. Any fascia, Anything, yeah. any sort of stimulation of these fibers has direct changes to the heart rate, blood pressure respiration, any of the autonomic functions of the body, which Kathleen, as we know, is unconscious thought, anything that so, we're not thinking about doing. So Kathleen, can you, hearing that, doesn't that make you go, like, tie that back to the nervous system and maybe also for the lay person, can you take everything Bart just said and make it make sense for Parkinson's or really any neurological function? <laughs> I, I can certainly try to. Um, let me go back to this idea of, of fascia being so highly innervated. Um, think about people with fascial inflammation specifically, and uh, whether it be fibromyalgia or fasciitis in a certain area. It is highly, highly painful. Now, interestingly enough with this, and I don't mean to be uh, uh, throw a question into it, but interestingly enough, Parkinson's disease is not characterized initially by pain. Going back to what it's characterized by, it's a tremor or an abnormal muscle control, rigidity or a co-contraction of agonist and antagonist or the muscles, and then a slow movement and postural changes. So interestingly enough, they don't have pain, but the inflammation 
that you're talking about uh, is in the brain. They're thinking that, and, and the cause of Parkinson's disease is widely unknown, but they are questioning whether or not inflammation uh, in the brain contributes to that. Now, um, certainly once the, the muscles can no longer fire correctly, the fascia becomes involved, and then comes the postural changes that you see with the patients bending over. They also, interestingly enough, I love this work that the fascia blaster is doing and the nuggets doing on the face because one of the characteristic early Mm. symptoms of Parkinson's disease is called the Parkinson's mask. And mm-hmm. that is a lack of movement of those tiny muscles in the face and the lack of sort of an expressionless look and a, you know, um, decreased in blinking and so forth that come. So well, I, think I also want my case, mom to jump in there, Kathleen, because mom, all those things that we're saying, you saw that before the Parkinson's diagnosis, right? Yes, those were all symptoms we saw, but we couldn't put it together as Parkinson's. Well, and, and sadly, the inflammation that Kathleen mentioned, that's really what was going on probably in Pop's shoulder and, and hand, don't you think? It was just, you know, he had that rotator cuff tear for years, but it was just now starting to swell. Mm. Yeah, it's, an <laughs> it's an amazing connection, isn't it amazing? So while I yeah. would go back to just say, just to be on the record, that I think that the cause of Parkinson's disease is still being worked on, and my theory is that there's more than one type, just like with MS, we have relapsing, remitting, and, and you know, um, all kinds of different, uh, look, multiple sclerosis that are caused by plaques. I think Parkinsonism's can probably come, Parkinson's disease can come in a number of forms as well, but certainly the inflammation and the, the connection, you can't separate the brain from the body once again. So um, from an autoimmune perspective, our brain's ability to stop a degenerative neurological disorder Uh, like uh, Parkinson's or Huntington's disease or MS Mm -hmm, to come on mm -hmm. also is going to show up in somewhere else in our body, in our shoulder, in a frozen shoulder, which is such a mystery, or hip dysfunction or Or, you know, the one I see all the time and saw it in the clinic and it makes me want to shoot myself is hypermobility. Oh, gosh. Well, don't get a girl. Okay, that's a a commercial break is what that is. So I do need to take a commercial break. I'm sorry, you guys. It's so This is so exciting to talk about. I know my mom's getting excited because she's now hearing for probably the first time all of the science behind what she's been trying anyway. So when we come back from the commercial break, um, if you know someone with Parkinson's, you grab them in because I am going to have my mom, who now is the foremost expert in therapy for Parkinson's. Um, I would venture to say that not only is my stepdad better than he's been in 15 years, you know, we, we're definitely slowing the effects of Parkinson's. I think we're reversing the effects of Parkinson's. Um, and, and let me just say for the record for Kathleen and everybody else out there who might come bring under criticism, my official stance on all of this is that it needs more research mm-hmm. and that we need to look at the fascia and we need to look at these connections. I'm not saying that I have the answer. I'm not saying I'm right. I'm not saying my what my stepdad's doing is the only thing. What I'm saying is we're not talking about it. And that's what I want to happen. So we'll be right back on that note. We're going to a commercial break. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Step by step, you made it through the journey of pregnancy. Now your baby is in your arms and you're on the cusp of a new journey, breastfeeding. As a new parent, you receive a lot of advice. 
much of it conflicting, some of it outdated. Tune into Born to be Breastfed with host Marie Biancuso to bust through the myths about feeding your baby. Marie and her guests will help you figure out what you can expect and put you on the best and surest path on your breastfeeding journey. Listen every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Billionaire Healthcare, brought to you by the amazing Fascia Blaster. We believe the body was designed to heal itself. Families were meant to care for one another and that the connective tissue fascia is vital to human health. We believe that society derailed and abandoned the natural trajectory and that itises, syndromes, cellulite, and other issues are preventable. There's just a better way. The inception of that better way starts with the fascia, and the first step is the fascia blaster. The fascia blaster restores the fascia by separating the adhesions at the surface that distort the skin and penetrating those layers that contort and misalign the body. Not to mention, it ends cellulite because it simply doesn't exist. The fascia blaster turns back the hands of time and revitalizes you, young or aging, athletic or sedentary, men and women. The fascia blaster is for you. Treat yourself like a billionaire. Become a blaster today. Visit fasciablaster.com. That's F-A-S-C-I-A blaster.com. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to Billionaire Health Care. To connect with our show today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to bh at ashleyblackguru.com. Now, back to Billionaire Healthcare. Let me just say this, moving into the next section, I'm sitting here with Bart, who did the most unbelievable research. We're going to put this in a document and just post it. If you guys want all the geeky uh, stuff, we're going to be able to give it to you because this it's really breaking down the true science and taking studies from all over the world and, and putting these dots together. So that's very exciting for me. And in fact, all of the research that we're seeing and what Kathleen is saying and what Bart's saying and what I'm so passionate about is it's not just one thing. It's pulling it all Correct. together to give people with Parkinson's hope and to give them um, you know, new things that they can do that may be outside of what they're hearing. And I, I hear little isolated pockets like, oh, we're doing an exercise class for Parkinson's or we're doing voice exercises for Parkinson's. And this is where I want my mom to jump in because my mom, the apple did not fall far from the tree. And mm-hmm. she is a one-woman Parkinson's educator machine in Alabama right now. Mom, just kind of tell my audience what you're doing and what you just took upon yourself um, to do to try to help other people with Parkinson's. Give them your elevator speech because I know you literally are plucking people off the street to tell them about what you're doing with uh, POP. Anytime somebody gets a diagnosis for Parkinson's disease, if they have a friend that knows me, we get the phone call, help, what do we do? These are the four things I recommend. Number one, you must have a competent doctor, somebody that is in a place where they have other neurologists that know about uh, the movement disorders. Secondly, you must do voice exercises every day. Lee Silverman Parkinson-specific voice exercises helps with the muscles for swallowing as well as speech. 
And mom, let me stop you. Mom, blaster to blast up the fascia in your muscles, so the muscles will then fire and work. And we have found the use of a jog spa, a hot spa where you can stand and exercise, to be the icing on the cake. This is the program that is working here. You brought up so many good things. I actually tried to interrupt you, Mom. Nothing's changed. Um, <laughs> okay, so let's talk about the right doctor because I think it's important to say that these are specialists, and not only do you need to find the right doctor, but I bet uh, I bet uh, Kathleen would say the right therapist. Um, Kathleen, I want you to jump in. How do they find the right doctor and right therapist? Like, what, if somebody's just going on the internet and trying to find it, how can how can we help them? Well, I would certainly say that the Internet is a good way to do it, um, to look. But I always tell people, don't just find a neurologist. Find a neurologist who likes to do Parkinson's disease. You know, we might all have our thing, but we like to do certain things, and we don't like to do other things. So I agree completely with your mom that you need to find a, a neurologist to, that, that practices in a group uh, that stays stimulated and stays current and that has a particular interest in Parkinson's disease. I know that the Parkinson's Disease Foundation also has connections. You look at their scientific advisory board, you find out who's current and who's active on that. You can look at publications and so forth, but I would, I'm, I'm biased in this way because well, I'm not a person who's all over publications. So I'm going to tell you that, um, uh, you know, it's not a, in doctor world, if they're up and current and speaking, then they're, then they're good. But for me, I'm not all over the, the scientific writings. But, and mom, I know how assertive you are. When you were trying to find the right doctor, you did quite the interviewing process. Like, what are the questions if other people are out there and they want to know how to find the right doctor? What questions do you ask them? Well, it would be nice if you knew how many Parkinson's patients they were currently treating. That gives you an idea of their expertise level. And what do you, what, I mean, how many is, is this guy treating that you guys go see Dr. Sung? I don't know how many he's treating. He's a movement specialist, movement disorder specialist. He also works with some Huntington disease patients. Yeah. Okay, so he's yeah. definitely inundated in that world. Okay, and then the second thing you mentioned was the right meds. And I can tell you this is a topic that comes up every week. And I, I always say, you know, I'm not anti-drug. I'm anti drugs that cause more problems than good. So, Mom, what process did you go through to start kind of eliminating drugs? And, I mean, I, I remember you and I had conversations where you're like, no, I had to tell the doctor this doctor didn't hear from this other doctor and the blood pressure and all that. So just quickly, again, this is the show is about helping pe- my viewers. So, um, Mom, what would you tell them? How do you, how do you even begin that process of weeding out the wrong meds and getting on the right meds? You have to be proactive, and you have to pay a lot of attention to the patient. Uh, we've had some medicines we've had to eliminate completely because they caused uh, low blood pressure and falling and hitting the floor. We've had conflicts between a heart doctor and an internist where I had to get involved and say, look, this is a problem. We need a solution. You must be firm with the doctor and don't let them scare you. <laughs> like I said, the apple did not fall far from that tree. <laughs> She's scared uh, right now. <laughs> I love it. So, Mom, I, want, I do want to go into the fascial blaster treatment because we knew that me treating Bob was helping. There was no doubt. And every time, and I live, well, I live between Los Angeles and, and Texas, so it's a, it's an issue trying to get to Alabama, and he has trouble traveling. So we knew that my hands and the therapy were doing great. He also did the ice DVD exercises. We had to figure out a way to get his core on, but. Thank 
things really did change with the fascia blaster. So can you just tell them what the differences are? Pre-fascia blaster, like what happened first blast? And by the way, I didn't do it. I sent the tool with my mother, and my mother has become like the world's greatest fascia blaster treatment. And no, don't call her for your cellulite. Okay, mom, tell them what you what with the fascia blaster. What was the differences pre and post? Okay, I'm gonna let Pop tell you. The big difference was after two fascia blaster treatments, I could straighten my right arm out, which I had not been able to do for eight years. That's amazing. I, I have a video. I think we can get it posted. You told me you couldn't do the touchdown symbol that you kind of had like one arm bent and one arm straight. And then after two fascia blasts, you could come up. And I also remember uh, it helped with your drop foot. In fact, it fixed your drop foot. Uh, you don't have drop foot anymore. And, or in the hump. It's gone, right? That's right. The and, hump uh, is gone and people have noticed. At church and at other events, people have noticed he is standing up straight. Do you know, I can actually tell you why this happens is because those f- mechanoreceptor fibers we were talking about that the fascia blaster stimulates causes an altered proprioceptive input to the central nervous system, which results in a decreased tone um, of the motor units involved at the uh, that was getting manipulated. So, right, so it's much more complicated and much more advanced than just you're rubbing a stick and getting them it, loose and improving their posture. It really does it, go back to the nervous system. And I don't want to cut anybody off, but I do want to make sure we get to the mm-hmm. last component and we only have about a minute before the commercial break. So my mother came out and visited me in my new home. And one thing I have, and I know everybody's jealous and I'm sorry, um, I have a hot tub that seats 20. 20- 20 people. And so basically what I have is a jog spa. We're, we're posting it because my mother ended up having one installed for my stepdad because everybody knows that you need to exercise. I can give you 10 studies that are sitting right here on the couch. I'm not even going to quote that say exercising helps with Parkinson's. We already know that link. It's a fact. Um, Kathleen could for sure validate that. But what I think is missing is what is the exercise and what is effective. And I think what's missing is that you can't access your muscles if your fascia is tight. And one of the things I preach all the time is heat. And so my stepdad is now exercising in a hot tub. Bob, it's changed things for you, hasn't it? Makes a tremendous difference. I've been doing water aerobics and water exercises in an 85-degree pool for several years. It wasn't doing anything. You can't stretch a cold muscle. Yep. And, uh, so what's the differences in, like, your real life from doing – ex- well, just tell them what you do. You exercise every day in there. What are you doing in the jog spa? I, I, I walk. Uh, I stretch. Uh, uh, do, do neck exercises, hand exercises. Every, the, the moist heat. Affects any muscle that I put in in the water. Well, and I don't I'm think Kathleen. And I don't limp hardly at all. Well, you're making such tons of points, but Kathleen, this this is something that's like mind blowing, right? For for neurological stuff, nobody is exercising in heat, or am I wrong? Well, I th- I think that many community swimming pools have Parkinson's classes in them. I think. Uh, no, I'm talking about the heated pool. He's saying he exercised in 85 degrees, and now what are you in, Pop, in the jog spot? Like 100? 104. 
Yeah. 104. So, yeah, I would say I would say that's unusual, that the first reaction would be that that's contraindicated for a neurological patient. Yes, I would absolutely agree with that. It's that you would say, and not I would say, but that people would say, you can't get in the, the hot tub if you have a neurological condition, We especially multiple sclerosis. But we would think that that would be uh, harmful, especially because of this. Now, from my perspective, and I'm not saying it's not a good idea. I love, love, love the testimony. Love it. I think it's fabulous and groundbreaking, and I think this is exciting, exciting stuff. When I work with a patient, I just caution them, be super-duper-duper careful when you get out because you're at risk for falling because of that relaxation of the Mm -hmm. muscles. Mm -hmm. What Mark just spoke about, about that uh, neurological relaxation of a muscle and inhibition of that abnormal muscle tone puts people at high risk for falling. So everything comes with its cautions, but that doesn't Mm -hmm. mean it can't be fabulously uh, effective. And obviously it is in the case of your dad, which I'm so, uh, stepdad, which I'm so happy to hear the testimony. Fabulous. Well, I think, I think you're bringing the... Do, say again? You don't want to be in there too, lo- too long by too high temperature. Well, and he has high blood pressure and other things that are all affected by this. So with this said, what I wanted to do was give you what he's doing pure. And I asked my mom to really break it down into what has made the most difference. And I think, Kathleen, you brought up the best point. I think sometimes when something comes with a risk, we just go, don't do it. And we may be cutting out one of the most important features, which is that heat has such an incredible effect on the fascia, which we know that. So um, with that said, again, it just goes back to my point that we need more research. We need more people to talk about it. We need the doctors, the people who are leading this movement. I'm not a Parkinson's expert. I certainly don't claim to be. But my goodness, when I go to Google, I should be able to find it. And I find nothing, which makes me crazy. So we're about to come back for our last section of the show. So everybody get their soapboxes ready. I'm going to let you get on them. Uh, We'll be right back after this real quick uh, commercial break. Thank you, Pop and Mom. You can stay on too. You're going to be a part of the end. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Billionaire Healthcare, brought to you by the amazing Fascia Blaster. We believe the body was designed to heal itself. Families were meant to care for one another and that the connective tissue fascia is vital to human health. We believe that society derailed and abandoned the natural trajectory and that itises, syndromes, cellulite, and other issues are preventable. There's just a better way. The inception of that better way starts with the fascia, and the first step is the fascia blaster. The fascia blaster restores the fascia by separating the adhesions at the surface that distort the skin and penetrating those layers that contort and misalign the body. Not to mention, it ends cellulite because it simply doesn't exist. The fascia blaster turns back the hands of time and revitalizes you. Young or aging, athletic or sedentary, men and women, the fascia blaster is for you. Treat yourself like a billionaire. Become a blaster today. Visit fasciablaster.com. That's F-A-S-C-I-A blaster.com. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to Billionaire Healthcare. To connect with our show today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to bh at ashleyblackguru.com. 
Now, back to Billionaire Healthcare. Thank you guys so much. Returning last segment, we're in the home stretch, rounding forth here. Um, I do want to talk about something we brought up in the commercial break, um, which is, you know, why why aren't we talking about this? And I think Kathleen, she's, you know, in the research. Well, she said the other day she took off her white lab coat. So I don't I don't know what you want to be called now, <laughs> but she's in she's in this world. So why why aren't we looking at these other things? Um, you work in a movement clinic. You run one. So what what's going on there? What do you what do you see that you would like to change? Well, I see VIP patients in Houston and surrounding areas, and the, the Parkinson's disease I, patients I see, surprisingly, they get their medical care in the largest medical center in the world, but they're not being told by their doctor to go to physical therapy. They come to me because of word of mouth in a, a very organic way that your practice runs and that your, your movement is working. Um, I think that healthcare is based, um, is a very, doctors are practicing defensive medicine, and when we talk about the swimming pool, we're talking about a potential for harm. And doctors have gotten in a posture of minimizing any potential harm to doctors such that they're afraid. If they've had an experience where one patient didn't get better uh, with their physical therapy or with their exercise routine or with their alternative health care, they're going to, you know, not recommend that uh, for fear of lawsuit or even for just trying to minimize cost. Within rehab centers, a doctor's not going to refer everyone for hardcore therapies if they've been asked to reduce cost and in a handful of their patients it doesn't work. So it's, I'm, I'm amazed while I've sat with um, Parkinson Society and Movement Disorder Clinic specialists, they don't all recommend physical therapy and exercise unless they know a person who does it well. So this is all about these practitioners interested in the fascia blaster and interested in our movement, Ashley, becoming experts in it and then communicating with the doctors to say, I am competent to know what the risks and the benefits are for this particular population. Mom, what did you experience? Did, did your doctors say anything other than the medicines? I mean, I know you've gone back and said, hey, uh, you know, we've been doing this and it's working, but out of the jump, even with this good Parkinson's doctor, what did they recommend anything else? Well, we were recommended exercises, but... But what does that mean? Did they <laughs> say what type of exercises or just exercise? Like, that's so random to me. Mm-hmm. We had some that recommended some specific exercises, but they also stressed the need to stretch on a daily basis. But n- no guidance on that. No, no, I didn't yeah. need a physical therapist to get that guidance. Yeah, that's where I really think what I'm doing is really important because, you know, just telling someone to exercise and stretch, most people don't know how to exercise yeah. and stretch. And going to a gym is not where they need to be. They need someone that really knows what they're doing. Can you speak to that, Bart? Yeah, I mean, it's also like just telling someone to stretch. We, I was talking about the mechanoreceptors and like the muscles. Like pro athletes don't even know how to stretch. No, 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 not, not <laughs> I don't, yeah. And but in order to really get good, you have to you have to do it a lot, like for a couple minutes at a time. And in the daily life of a normal person, they can't do all those stretches and everything. And ultimately, I th- fascia treatment, the fascia blaster actually stimulates all the all the mechanoreceptors in the muscle that you want. 
Right. So you would even want to open your fascia before you exercise in the first place, which by the way, there's no doctor that's saying that and it's not their fault. They don't, they don't know that. Um, mom, I wanted you to, I want to make sure you really get the last word, you and pop. And then obviously myself and Kathleen are going to jump in, but can you just kind of speak from your heart? Like if you had, if you could say something to the medical community, because they're the ones that really are going to deliver this and just to other people with Parkinson's, what are your kind of, you know, passionate thoughts on the subject? Well, the first thing they need to do is think outside the box because there are things out there that are working, and you need to try everything. If it didn't work with one patient, it doesn't mean it won't work with another. Parkinson's is something that you fight every day. You have to do all the aspects of your therapy every day, and you can never, never give up. Well, Mom, how many hours a day do you... I mean. Bob exercises, but how often do you, how, what are you doing fascia blaster wise? Well, we fascia blast some days. We don't have to do it every day because we've finally gotten it loose. He's in the jog spot every single day. He rides a recumbent bike, pedaling forward as well as backwards. And then we do some additional stretching with TheraBands and everyday voice exercises. Well, and I just wanted to say, Bob, give us a little ABC. I mean, this is somebody who basically has had Parkinson's for 20 years, diagnosed for about 15. Bob, you sound great. Well, thank you. (laughs) And I will tell you this. Share with them quickly, Bob. You did start blasting your neck carefully, obviously going around the carotid artery, but it made a difference in your voice, didn't it? It absolutely did. It, It was one of the more pleasant surprises we've had. And less choking. And let me tell you, that's very scary because Bob has been with me when he choked on a piece of steaks. And if, if anybody out there has a family member choking in front of them, it's terrifying. So I am excited about the you know opening of the trachea by opening the fascia around it. Um, we have about one minute till close. Uh, Kathleen, I know you want to have some final thoughts. One second. Bart, final thoughts? Uh, yeah, just what we want to connect is like that you it's not the only way like we're not saying just the fascia blush is the only thing to treat all these conditions that we're talking about it's just one of those another tool you can use to treat whatever issues you have in your life so i mean it's pretty it's just it's a good tool but we just we know that sometimes specific stuff happens and it's just we just want to implement that as well just make sure you know that well and i'd say my closing thoughts are that we don't understand it we don't have our brains around it i'm not saying we i'm saying a society we Mm -hmm. do not know and the fact that here i am just some ex-cheerleader from alabama putting these studies together and making these connections tells me that the right people aren't and if you're one of the right people you're a graduate student you need a research project if you're a doctor that's passionate about parkinson's and you have access to a research lab if you are a Parkinson's patient and you want help, if you are a family member who wants to help your uh, you know, family member with their Parkinson's, then we need to take it all upon ourselves to share this segment with as many people as possible. I'm going to write a press release about it. It's To me, watching my stepdad over the past 10 years come alive from literally 
what looked like death. Um, it's something that I do care about and I, I do want all of your help. And we've got 25,000 viewers on this site. We've got 300 and something thousand on uh, our other sites. We have however many people are listening on Voice America. You guys, that is enough people to make a change. So take it upon yourself. Be passionate and let's try to make a better life for everyone with Parkinson's. Thank you so much for joining the show today. We are wrapping up. Mom, thank you. Thank you. And Pop, thank you. And send love to your doctors and your therapists. And Kathleen, as always, you're so innovative and amazing and creative. And I'm just so excited to be back uh, working with you. Bart, thank you. And Voice America, thank you. Guest, thank you. We'll see you next week, same time, same place, Wednesday, 12 o'clock Central Time Zone for Billionaire Healthcare. Get your sponge. Thank you for tuning in this week. Billionaire Healthcare with Ashley Black can be heard live every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This week, be the best you. 